Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. Well, good morning, everyone. As you heard, my name is Father Edward Beck. I am a Passionist priest. I thank you for your very warm welcome, although I was told it would be sunny and dry when I got here. And so someone pulled a fast one on that. But I understand you also need rain being in the desert. So I'm happy that God is accommodating Scottsdale right now with some much needed rain. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. If we have some Brooklyn people, wow. Brooklyn gets an applause, that's great. And I grew up there, and my father was a New York City fireman in Brooklyn. And I was reminded recently of this story because it happened during an advent when I was a young child. Right around this time, actually, around the second week or so of advent. My father went to work, and he worked in the Bedford-Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn, which was a pretty rough area when I was growing up. And there was a fire in a building to which my father and his company responded. And when they got there, they were told that there was a young girl still trapped in the building. And so my father and his brother fireman went into this burning building to look for this young girl. And as my father was crawling along the floor into one of the bedrooms, he reached out and he felt an arm. And it was that of this young girl. And yet as soon as he reached her, he heard a noise that no fireman, or anyone for that matter, ever wants to hear. And it was the noise of the ceiling above him beginning to crack. And he knew that the ceiling was going to fall in. And he put his body over that of this young girl. And indeed, the ceiling did collapse on them. But the young girl was protected. And my father was able, actually, to get her out of the building. And they both were administered first aid on the sidewalk outside. And my father spent a few days in the hospital, and the young girl survived. But the day after this happened, the New York Daily News, which was the newspaper of record when I was growing up, had a headline in the story, and it said, Ceiling Collapses on Firemen Rescuing Young Girl. My father in the Daily News. It was a great Christmas. He was alive. We were celebrities. <laughs> All was good with the world. Except that it left me with a fear. Because you see, in my bedroom in Brooklyn, as I would lay in bed, I could see cracks in the ceiling. <laughs> there were actually a lot of cracks in the ceiling. And after this happened, I would lay in bed and I would look up at them and wonder, 
could this ceiling fall in on me too? And it worried me. And my father assured me that this would not happen. And yet it almost became a metaphor as I grew up for not necessarily that fear, but other fears. Fears that we all develop as we get older. You know and I know that we are a people of many fears. If I were to go around the church this morning, and if I were to ask you to name your fear, your deepest fear of what you're afraid of, I bet you there would be as many answers, perhaps, as people in this church this morning. We are a people of many fears. People are afraid of closed spaces, open spaces, getting older, getting sick, dying, losing the one whom they love, afraid of failure, afraid of success. I read recently that 20% of Americans suffer with anxiety disorder, many accompanying panic attacks. 20% of Americans. So what are we really so afraid about? And what causes those fears? It's not just cracks in the ceiling. I was at a scripture conference a number of years ago, and there was a scripture scholar there who said he was very intrigued that as he paid attention to the scriptures and read them, that often he would read or hear God saying in the scripture, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And he was so intrigued that he said one day he got out his concordance of the Bible. And he decided he was going to sit down and count up how many times it is attributed to God in the Bible as saying, do not be afraid. And this guy said that in the Bible, God says, do not be afraid, 366 times. <laughs> he said, once for each day of the year and once for leap year. <laughs> but I remember hearing that and thinking, Maybe God says, do not be afraid so many times because God knows that we are. Because God knows that we are. And yet the greatest irony is that many of us grew up fearing this very God who 366 times says, do not be afraid. You know, we were raised with a God of punishment, some of us, or guilt, or shame, or we could never be good enough. We could never quite measure up. And as I listened to the readings for this Advent season, and as I listened to this reading from Isaiah for today, this very famous and beautifully poetic reading it's a reading about disparate people, issues, realities, somehow coming together in the midst of separateness or antagonism. I mean, that beautiful image of the lion 
lying down with the lamb, or the children playing by the adder's lair, that somehow even that which we might fear or be opposed to can come together some way in the reality that is God. And I wondered if also a part of that is not that those disparate parts of us or those parts at war with inside of us can also be brought together in the love and the reality that is God. I mean, the wolf and the lamb in us <laughs> that sometimes oppose one another. Can God bring healing and can God bring unity in the midst of that? Or is that all just a false hope? Is what we hear in the scripture just this pie-in-the-sky ideal reality that can never be, that will never come? I think that the central teaching of Jesus gets to the heart of this issue for us. What is the central teaching of Jesus, by the way? Central teaching of Jesus, anyone? Love, no. Anyone else? Huh? Faith, no. Anyone? Huh? You'll see your loved ones, nope. Mercy, nope. Forgiveness, nope. This is the Catholic church, right? If I was in a Protestant church, boy, you would see, and I've, I've actually been in a Protestant church where people have stood up about this. A hint is it's in today's gospel. John mentions it before Jesus has even arrived. The central teaching of Jesus is this. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is in your midst. It's happening. The reality of Advent and the Christmas season is that God is breaking into the world in a totally new way, and because of that event, nothing will be the same again. That these disparate realities, these antagonistic realities, have the potential and possibility of being brought together, of healing occurring. But we so often forget this reality about the kingdom of God being present and in our midst because we're focusing on it like when we die, we'll get to it, or in our past it was there, or in our future somewhere. But we miss the reality of the inbreaking now because we forget who we are. We forget who we are. You know, recently I read a biography of George H.W. Bush, so Bush Sr. And this wasn't in the book, but I was reminded that he told a story when he was, after he was campaigning to be president for the first time. And he said that he was speaking at a senior healthcare center, and his topic was healthcare for the elderly. And it was one, I guess, the platforms on which he campaigned. And so after his talk, he was introducing himself to some of the residents of this senior center. And he said he went up to this elderly gentleman and he shook his hand and he said to him, sir, do you know who I am? And the guy said, no, but if you ask one of the nurses, she can tell you. 
And I thought it was a perfect metaphor for all of us because we forget who we are. And I think if there's anything the retreat, the mission is about this week, it is going to be an attempt to remind us who we are. And I'm not presumptuous enough to think that I'm the one going to do that, but I think if we're attentive to the scripture and we come together as a faith community to break it open and to pray together that God can do powerful things through simply these two days of retreat. I've been doing this ministry now long enough to know that there's a special grace that comes when we are united in prayer and intention for an experience like this. So how's it going to happen? Well, there's two nights, tomorrow night and Tuesday night, as Father Eric mentioned, 6.30 till around, I would say 6.30, about an hour and 15 minutes each evening. And each evening stands on its own, so if you can't make both, then make one, but I suggest you try to make both for the full experience. Because I think this Advent time, we get so busy, and we get so preoccupied, and we get so caught up in the externals of the season, that this is an opportunity to really focus on something deeper in us, to focus on something that God can do and wants to do if we give God the chance. In closing, in the 1990s, there was a Pulitzer Prize-winning, Tony Award-winning play that last year was revived on Broadway. And I was in New York, and I had the opportunity to see it. And some of you, if you haven't seen the play, you may have seen the HBO movie that was also made. And the play is called Angels in America. And the central protagonist of the play, his name is Pryor. And Pryor is a gay man, and the play is in the 1980s at the height of the AIDS epidemic. And Pryor has AIDS in the play. In fact, the playwright describes Pryor at one point with wine-soaked angel of death lesions that he's so ill, he has wine-soaked angel-of-death lesions on his body. And Pryor is full of fear in the first part of the play. It's in two parts. And he's so full of fear because during the course of the play, his partner, his lover, leaves him. He's getting sicker. He's been abandoned. He's alone. And the last scene of part one has Pryor writhing in pain on the bed in his bedroom. And he's hallucinating, and he's crying out, and he doesn't know what he's going to do. And suddenly, now I'm in the fourth row for this, suddenly he's lying in this bed, and the ceiling above him begins to crack open. My worst fear as a child, <laughs> revisiting me as I'm sitting in the fourth row. And the ceiling breaks open and all of the plaster falls down around him and around the bed. But then something miraculous happens. Suddenly this beautiful angel descends from the ceiling 
big wings, white angel, and she lands on his bed. And this is what she says. Greetings, prophet. The messenger has arrived. The great work begins. Greetings, prophet. The messenger has arrived. The great work begins. She may as well have said, the kingdom of God is at hand. You are not alone, prior. And I think that the deepest reality about Advent and about the Christmas season is that God breaks through the ceiling. That we are indeed are not alone, whatever the fear, whatever the struggle, whatever the hardship, whatever the doubt, the messenger has arrived. The great work which is now ours is that which must begin in our lives and in the lives of others. And this week we want to talk about how does that get enfleshed? What does it look like? How do we live out the kingdom of God at hand in our midst? May God bless you and your families and our whole parish during this week of grace. Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Homily Podcast. We are Christian Disciples in Mission, 